Amen, amen. You can go and have a seat. Amen. Hallelujah for the cross, right? Praise the Lord for the cross. And whether this is your first time here at Harvest or you've been here many times, you are family here. And we're so thankful that you are here. And it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And we're super thankful for how God is working and moving as we culminate our From Start to Sense series. We're going to be in Acts chapter 13 this morning. Thank you, brother. Um, If you want to get a head start there, we're going to be there this morning as God continues to move in a phenomenal way here in his church. And we we worship in many ways here. And I'm just so thankful for God's faithfulness, thankful for how he sent Jesus. And I'm thankful for his generosity. I'm thankful for your generosity. Thank you for your continued faithfulness in giving to the church. And if you want to continue to do that, there is an offering box in the back or you can give online um, because God's mission is fueled by God's resources. And we're so thankful for that. God is building his church here at Harvest. Amen. So thankful for, amen. Amen. Come on, we can wake up, right? Um, He is moving and he is working. And it's unlike, uh, there have been very few moments in the life of this church, seven or eight years uh, that we've seen. And this is one of the most that have resembled this. It is a very palpable movement of the Lord. And uh, God is working. So we want to keep inviting. We want to keep pressing in and pressing on for him. Last week, we had a step two class, which is a Harvest Essential, sort of a, a beginning to, hey, how can I get more connected at Harvest to potentially membership here? We had, if not the largest, um, attendance at our step two that we've ever had of 14 people. Um, and there were many more that wanted to come, but just couldn't from a scheduling perspective. Praise God. Amen. He is working in a phenomenal way and to him give be the glory. And so this is a great time to jump in and experience all that God is doing. And I'm not sure if you've heard about it or not, but there's something happening tonight, something called like the Super Bowl. Anybody heard that? Uh, yeah, yeah, go birds, whatever those are. Um, but uh, the Eagles and the Chiefs are playing, and we want to invite you guys to join in uh, with us. We're going to be in the fellowship hall. I would love for you to join us because for me, it's all about the food and all about the commercials, right? Because my, my team ain't sniffing the Super Bowl anytime soon. Uh, the Washington, whatever they're called now, um, are, are at home. Um, but praise God that, that we would love to hang out with you tonight and so excited about that. And so the two teams, are in the Super Bowl because they won the, the AFC Championship and the NFC Championship, respectively, right? And so a couple weeks ago, the NFC Championship game was played and the Eagles won primarily because the 49ers ran out of quarterbacks, literally. Um, um, yeah, true story. Um, but here's the deal. I have a good friend in the area. As soon as they won, Eagles fan uh, on social media, I just booked tickets to Arizona. I'm like, I text him, I'm like, bro, seriously, you're going out there? He's like, yeah, man, wouldn't miss it. They're in the game. I got to go. I am going, right? And I'm like, you talked to your wife about this yet? Yep. She's coming too. We're going to have a great time. We're going to make it a Valentine's Day trip. It's awesome. My team's in it. I can't miss it. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, what about your kids? What about job? You know, what about the cost? What about, what about, what about cross-country flight? What about, what about, what about, what about? Okay. You see, the reality is this, when it's worth it to you, you'll make it happen, Right? When it's worth it to you, you make it happen. The, the priorities of our life are deter- determined by the passions of our hearts. And I'm so thankful for this brother. He's faithful to the Lord. I, I'm, I'm excited for him. I hope he has a great, great, great time. But how many of us are so quick to do things like that for a sports team? But when God's like, hey, go over there on a mission trip, you're like, uh, what about my kids? What about the cost? What about the time off of work? You know, you see how this is going? Somehow we're more passionate about the sports in our life than the Savior in our life. When it comes to sense, when God says go, like, oh, hold on, God, here's the laundry list of reasons I can't go. 
But when it's other things, we make room for it. We make time for it. Our passions are revealed by the priorities that we live. From our Start to Sense series, where the cry of our heart has been that Jesus would become the center of our heart, that he would become the primary passion of our heart. And out of that, flow every single priority of our life, from where we invest our time, our talent, our resources. And we're going to see that culminate here in Acts chapter 13 today. We're going to see a church that has moved Jesus to the center of their hearts because of what he has done in their life. And they have committed to live on mission with every area of their life. The reality is, is Jesus has called us all on a mission. God sent Jesus. Jesus sends us. John 20, 21. Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I send who? You. And by you, he's like, all of you and me. He's sending us individually and he's sending us collectively. Collectively, we are the church. A church is a gathering of called out, set apart individuals called to pursue the glory of God, to live on mission for God. Out of a heart of a passionate worship to God. As we're going to conclude this sermon series today, this is not a mission conclusion. This is a mission launching point. In your, on your seats around you and where you're seated, there is a blue card. I want you to pull that out. On it, it says, I am going. I'm going to ask you, and more than, that, more than that, God's going to ask you, the Holy Spirit's asking you to fill this out at the end, and not just because of perfunctory writing something on a piece of paper, but it's a commitment with your heart and life. Because God has sent all of us, not just some of us, into our neighborhoods and into the nations. A mission is not a week-long thing. Mission is not a one-day-a-week thing. Mission is a 24-7 heart and lifestyle thing. So I'm going to ask you to fill that out as we commit together as a church to live sent, because our God is ascending God. God has sent us. We are going. Are you coming? Here's a big idea for today. Grasping Jesus' worthiness produces within me a joyful willingness to live sent by Jesus in faithful obedience. All day, every day. All of us, not some of us, given the privilege and the responsibility to live on mission. But how many of us stare at the obstacles and choose to back away from the mission as opposed to seeing each obstacle as an opportunity for Jesus' grace to be on full display? Jesus is worthy. He wants all of you, not some of you. He wants all of us, not just some of us. The question that lies before us today is, he has sent us, will you go? Are you going? The Great Commission, as you are going, make disciples. It's not a matter of convenience. It's a matter of obedience. It's a matter of worship. Mission is worship. It's an overflow of worship, and it's worship in and of itself. More than anything, I hope you hear this. Jesus wants your heart today. My ask of you today is two things. Be real and be open. Be real with where your heart literally is right now. However it is, come as you are. Hurting, broken, running, rebelling, pride, joy, all of it. Just be real. Because God will meet you wherever you are and be open 
to whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do in you and whatever he then wants to do through you. Church, can we be real and can we be open today? Eliminate the outer distractions and ask God to truly do the work that he wants in our heart because that's worship. Surrendering our priorities under the authority of Jesus Christ and wanting to do it his way, not our way. Join me in prayer if you would. Father, as we come to your word this morning, we just come with open hearts. We come with hurting hearts. We come with confused hearts, busy hearts, rebellious hearts, excited hearts. And in and through everything, God, we just ask that you grip all of our hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do what you promised to do, that you would convict and compel, encourage and exhort, that the power of your word would be on full display. Silence me, God, and may you flow. May you save, may you redeem, may you restore, may you recenter, may you convict, and help us to respond in the way in which you want. To choose to live for your glory, not for our glory. The fame of your great name. Exalt yourself today, God. Jesus, we love you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen. Turn with me, go to the book of Acts. And if you don't have a copy of God's word, we got Bibles in the back. Nothing would give us a greater joy than for you to take that Bible, make it your own, read it, memorize it, feast on it. We love the word of God because we love God. This is the word of the Lord, Acts chapter 13, verses one through three. Now there were in the church at Antioch, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a member of the court of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. And then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. Yes, this is Super Bowl Sunday. We're calling this at Harvest Sent Sunday. We're going to lay a hand on a missionary from our body and send her off today. Praise God. Isn't that awesome? We're going to lay hands on two new elders and commission them as they stand up and step into the role with which God has called them. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Praise God. Jesus is building his church, but it all flows out of a heart of worship as we see right in this text. Because when we grasp the reality of Jesus's worthiness, we can't help but respond with obedience and faithfulness. As we study the early church at Antioch, honestly, this is my prayer. Has been for eight, nine years that Harvest would be a church like Antioch, a sending church, a worshiping church. And God has answered that prayer in a, in, a, in a very affirmative way. And we have steps to take. We have not arrived, but we want to dig in on this and we want to grow in this. But this is the church we, we are called to model ourselves after. I believe that with all my heart in a very influential area to continually be sending, to continually be discipling, to have an impact here in Maryland that echoes for all of eternity in a ripple effect that changes the world for Jesus Christ, not hyperbole, reality. We get to launch disciple makers all over the country and the world. We get to influence people that are making world-changing decisions that work at the Pentagon, the White House, the Capitol building, Fort Meade, NSA, every government alphabet soup you can imagine. They're here, literally, sitting amongst us right now. Praise God. What an opportunity. What a privilege. And what a responsibility. 
proper theology of the church realizes that we are called to send and we are called to go. The posture and the passions of our heart drive the priorities of our life. When Jesus is at the center, we will go. But we need to do less, we need to do more living this and not just talking about it. So what does it look like to live sent? Thanks for asking, Tommy. We're all, at, we're all questioning that this morning. We're going to see today two missional heartbeats, the heartbeat of one who lives sent from this text. And these are individual challenges for us individually, but, and then collective challenges for us as a church. But again, for us as a church to properly execute the mission that God has for us, it takes each of us individually to choose to live missionally. Because as Ephesians 4 said, as we looked at a couple weeks ago, if one of us is not doing the job that God has called us to do, the rest of us cannot reach the full fulfillment that God has for us. We are accountable to God, but we're also accountable to each other. What you do, what decisions you do or don't make, impact every single one around you. That's the beauty of it. And it's the privilege of it. Living sent begins and ends with living with my heart sent on Jesus all day, every day as a top priority. The first heartbeat from this text of one who lives sent is this, a worship-fueled willingness. A worship-fueled willingness. The theme of our ministry year from September is really a reiteration of the mission statement that God has given us in the theme of the life of this church, which is Jesus, build your church. He promises that in Matthew 16, 18, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Praise God, amen. Praise God for that. But that's a cry of our hearts, and he's doing it, and we're seeing it again in this text, and this is the posture of our lives, that we would pursue this. We're not perfect in it, but we want to be pursuing it, and we want to be applying these same biblical principles of how we are to construct and to live as a church that we see here in Acts 13 into our everyday reality here living in 2023 here in Maryland. It is a life-changing, world-altering reality when we all align our hearts with the God who changes everything. Because that's what Jesus does, amen? He changes everything. To best understand what's happening here in Antioch, we have to contextually see how we got here, to see how God is working here. We want to take God's word in context and apply it to it. So we're going to take a little bit, we're going to take a step back and take a little bit of a bigger overview of the book of Acts and the movement. In my mind, as I was studying, and Andrew can attest to it as I came out of my office on Thursday, I'm like, my mind is blown right now by the power of our God. Because you can compartmentalize and go, this is what happens in Acts 1 and Acts 2 and Acts 3 and Acts 4, Acts 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and here we are in 13. But when you put it together, man, we see the worthiness of Jesus, amen? So here's how, here's how this rolls. Acts chapter 1, Jesus is getting ready to ascend, and what does he do? He gives the Great Commission. Acts 1, 8, and you will receive power when who? The Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be, who's going to be the witnesses? You, us, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Not done by our power, but the power of God. So he commissions us and then he ascends. So we now have the mission. And then he says, wait in Jerusalem. Now, some of us waiting is easy. Others of us waiting is hard, right? Don't go without the power. How many of us are trying to live on mission without the power? So they waited in Jerusalem, beginning of Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes, Pentecost happens, it fills the hearts and souls of the believers with the power of God, the indwelt power of God, God himself, the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. 
And the first thing Peter does is walk outside and therefore God has preordained and arranged a member of every single known nation right there. And Peter preaches a message and every person there hears the message in their native tongue because our God is awesome, amen? And 3,000 people are cut to the heart and they say, what do we do? And he says, Peter says, repent and be baptized and the church is born. They begin to gather and they, as Pastor Andrew preached phenomenally a couple weeks ago, live life together sitting under the teaching of God's word, living in biblical community, sharing every resource, living on mission. Fast forward to Acts chapter six. The church is growing and the work is expanding. It's too much for the apostles. And they go, some people come to them and say, hey, there's neglect happening. Some people aren't getting the food distribution. The Gentiles aren't. And they go, you're right. We need to enlist other people to step up into ministry because we can't do it all ourselves. We have to focus on what God has, which is prayer and the preaching of the word. And so therefore, the deacons are born. They are hands laid on from the body, commissioned and sent out to do the work of ministry, servant leaders. One of them was named what? Stephen. Now, not only was he a servant leader, but man, he was a phenomenal preacher. Read the rest of Acts chapter seven and eight, and he starts to proclaim the word of God boldly and unapologetically. That's why our pillars are what they are, because this is what our calling is. Into the face of culture, into the face of context is opposition. We preach the word, we stand on the word, we don't back away from the word, and we got the Holy Spirit use the word to do what he does, change hearts. The Jewish leaders didn't like it. In fact, they were so ticked off, they had him killed. They stoned him, but Stephen was willing. And you know who was there in Acts chapter seven and Acts chapter eight overseeing the murder of Stephen? A guy by the name of Saul. He says he was a young church leader. He was influential. He had the authority. He had the power. He had the position. And he hated the church. He had all this religious information, but he had no heart transformation. And it continued to go. And as that church was persecuted, what happened in Jerusalem? They were in Jerusalem. Then what happened? They scattered. But they kept preaching because people need to know and we need to go. And the power of God, Jesus built his church in such a way that even exterior cultural persecution, all it does is lead to gospel expansion and God's kingdom advancement. Praise God. Because Jesus will build his church. Isn't that awesome? And so you read the Acts chapter nine, you, get, you fast forward there. It says Paul had on his mind, he wanted to murder Christians. He was on his way to Damascus to try and find people that said they wanted to follow the Lord and throw them in jail. And God stopped him in his tracks and brought him to his knees because our God is awesome. And Jesus literally appeared in such a blinding light that Paul, Saul, that later become Paul, was blind and dropped to his knees and said, who is speaking? And he said, it is I, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that moment, Paul realized the reality of Jesus and his heart was transformed by the power of God. Now, a message went to a man named Ananias in Acts chapter 9, who was living in Damascus. And God said, hey, well, go meet this guy by the name of Saul. And I want you to lay hands on him and pray over him because that will provide healing of his eyes. And, and Ananias, like you and I, would be like, Jesus, are you sure? Like, he just killed Stephen. He wants to kill us. Like, do you really know what you're talking about? Anybody feel that way right now? Rhetorical question. God's called you to do something, and you're like, I don't know if you really understand what you're asking me to do, God. <laughs> and Jesus says, absolutely. Jesus literally is speaking. Isn't it awesome? And he says this. Go. Funny word, right? Go. 
for he is a chosen instrument, he's talking about Saul, of mine, to carry my name for the Gentiles, this is Acts 9, 15, and the kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Jesus says he's going to have my, Paul has my authority, and I got a plan for him to carry my name. And so Ananias goes and he lays hands on him. He finds Saul praying and he lays hands on him. His eyes are healed. And immediately Acts chapter nine says he went and he proclaimed Saul did Jesus in the synagogues. Isn't that awesome? The story continues, and, and Saul goes from Damascus down to Jerusalem, and, and again, the Jewish believers there are like, um, Saul, this guy wants to kill us. So the last time he was here, he killed Stephen. Um, I don't want anything to do with him, but a guy by the name of Barnabas steps up and stands up and vouches for Saul. Barnabas was an integral member. We, we meet him first in Acts chapter 4 of the Church of God. He was known as a son of encouragement, and he had an influence, and he said, I've seen the power of God change and transform the life of Saul. He is not the same person who he was. He now has Jesus, and Jesus transforms anything, everything and anything. Praise God, amen. And he vouches for him, so they believe him, and Saul gets integrated into the life of the church and continues to preach, continues to teach. And you fast forward to Acts chapter 11, and this is where it gets really, 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 really cool if it wasn't cool already, right? And it said in Acts chapter 11, verse 19, now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as to a church in Antioch, and they began to preach and teach the word of the Lord to the Jews. And God began to move in a phenomenal way. And God didn't stop there. They were only preaching to the Jews. God brought a believer from Cyprus. He brought believers from Cyrene. You'll see a map on the screen right now. And they began to preach to the Gentiles. And revival broke out. And there you see Antioch. Cyrene is northern Africa. Cyprus is, a, is an island off in the Mediterranean Sea. And I, I just want to know, Antioch is in, located now in southern Turkey. And if you're not, if you, this place in the map looks familiar, it's been in the news a lot this week. It is at the epicenter of where this horrible earthquake has taken place. We need to be praying for Turkey and Syria, the people there. That's where the church at Antioch was. So Acts chapter 11 has happened. The, the gospel is moving and the church in Jerusalem hears it. And they're in, they're in network with this church. It's sort of like how we're partnered with the GCC. And they say, hey, hey, go check this out, Barnabas. We wanted to know, is it, is it real up there? Or are they just sort of talking the talk? They walk on the walk. Barnabas, so Barnabas goes north about 300 miles from Jerusalem to Antioch. And he gets there and he sees the reality of the faith of the gospel. And his mind is blown in Acts 11, 24. It says, you know, 23, it says, when Barnabas came, he saw the grace of God and he was glad. And he continued to exhort them and remain faithful to the Lord with a steadfast purpose, for he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. And it, that church is hopping, right? God is moving. God is working. Verse 25 of Acts 11, it says this. That so Barnabas gets the reality of like, this is too much work for me. There's a humility here. He's like, I got to go find the best teacher and best disciple that I know. You know who he goes and gets? A guy by the name is Saul. Goes and finds him in Tarsus, brings him back to Antioch, and look at what happens in verse 26 of chapter 11 of the book of Acts. And when he found him, him being Saul, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church. They taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples was where the disciples were first called Christians. Little Christ, followers of Christ. They didn't give themselves that nickname. They lived a lifestyle in such a way that the community that they were trying to reach saw Jesus in them in such a way that said, you are like Christ. Isn't that awesome? Is that true of us today, friends? So when you begin to put this together and you begin to have a deeper vision of this worship service happening in Acts chapter 13, 
ones that had been persecuted for the name of Jesus Christ became the church planning core group of the church in Antioch. And the one that was the primary persecutor of the church of Jesus Christ, of these same people, is now the one that God is using to disciple them. The one who literally wanted to murder them is now the one about to be launched out as a missionary from them. Our God is awesome. Amen? Jesus is worthy of our praise. And if God can change Saul, he can change you. He can change me. He can change your neighbor. He can change, oh man, that guy cusses up a storm at work. He does all this stuff. I guarantee you his resume of what heinous stuff he does does not compare to what Saul did prior to knowing Jesus Christ. We need to have a bigger vision today of the greatness of God and the worthiness of God, which leads to a greater willingness to live on mission for God. Our God is great and worthy to be praised. Amen. Amen. Jesus builds his church. No man can stop it. Satan can't bind it. He builds it in the midst of political opposition, religious confusion. We see the transformational power of God. And we also see a man, Saul, who had everything that religion had to offer. He had the power. He had the prestige. But he didn't have Jesus. And he was miserable. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you have power. Maybe you know religion. Maybe you, you can, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, Saul was. But outside of Jesus, he had nothing. And then he met Jesus and everything changed. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you need Jesus too. You, you walked in here and your bank account's full. Your, your resume's great. But you're empty on the inside. Only Jesus can save you. Because we are all sinners in need of a savior. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he loves you and he's here for you. And he wants to save you. That's the transformational power of the gospel. And that's what grips our hearts. So out of an overflow of a tragedy comes a gospel victory. We still see that today. Our God cannot be stopped. Our God works through the personal and the tangible pains that we experience to see his church grow, to see his people strengthen. And he's calling us for today to elevate our worship and to elevate our willingness to be, to elevate our witness because the heart of worship produces a fruit, the fruit of willingness in our life. The act of going begins, a heart, begins with a heart posture of being willing. So when you go back to Acts chapter 13, can you just imagine this worship service while they were worshiping? It's not just a perfunctory, oh yeah, we get together one, and I'm going to attend once a month. Like They're worshiping passionately. They are all, and look at what God did. Look at the tangible evidence of the transformational power of God in our lives. Because look, Saul's leading the charge. And a couple of years ago, he wanted to kill us. He did kill one of us. But God, amen? And that's why when life gets hard and it's hard to go on, remember the names, remember the faces. That's why we want to put images up on walls and places to see the transformational power of God, that we aren't who we once were, but, but God changes everything. So how does it, the fruit of a life on mission of living scent is cultivated in the soil of fervent worship. What does this look like here? Four characteristics of a missional culture. From this text, hopefully evidence in our life, hopefully evidence in your life personally. Check your own heart. Is this the culture in my heart? And where do I need to pursue? How do I need to pursue this greater? We all have a next step to take. That's been a lot of this series. What's our next step? Here are four characters. The first is this. That worship is a 24-7 lifestyle. 
It's not like I'm going to go once a week. And frankly, let's be real, right? Modern day church attendance is like, if I come once a month, you're lucky to have me. Seriously. If my golf game gets canceled, if my boating trip goes awry, the weather is bad, if my team isn't playing, then maybe, maybe if my kid isn't on a travel sports team, I'll consider coming to church and bless you with myself. Man, that's messed up, isn't it? Church is about Jesus. He needs to be the priority, not the secondary or tertiary or way down the list concern. It needs to not just be an hour, hour and a half on a Sunday morning, but a posture of a life that is lived and committed every single day. When I go to work, it's worship. When I'm at home, it's worship. When I'm in church, it's worship. When I evaluate what I should do with my time, my talent, my money, it's worship. It's a 24-7 lifestyle that we see at Antioch right here. Second is this. It's a dependence that dependence on God is habitual. It's not just once in a while, but we see this right here in the text, right? What does it say that they're doing? In verse two, it says that they are worshiping and fasting. In verse three, it says that they're praying and fasting. Prayer and fasting are a posture of dependence on the Lord, right? Fasting is denying myself of what I think I need or food to anchor my heart in the life of the Lord. Prayer is going, God, help. I want to know what to do it your way. I want to stop trying to do it my way. But how many of us right now are fighting for control, as opposed to relinquishing control. Surrender is relinquishing control, is it not? We're trying to live an independent life, but God, following the Lord, the life of a disciple is a dependent life. And God, in his loving care, will often put us in positions where he forces our dependence on him because he loves us so much, because he knows that he is the best thing for us. It's loving. He will break your idols and wrap and take them from your hands one way or another. If you give them freely, it will go better for us, right? But because he loves us, he will rip them from us or he will break us from them out of a heart of love and care. It's a posture, heart posture of dependence on God. Because all of a sudden, I don't want to live sent, but where's the money going to come from? Where's the time going to come from? I just got my dream job. I don't want to live there. or I don't want to stay here. But all of a sudden, all of that is about me, not him, right? We need to learn to trust. When God called Abram, the first guy he revealed the great commission to in Genesis 12, he just said, go. He didn't tell him where. He didn't tell him how long. He just said, go, right? Some of us, I'm not going, God, till I get a full itinerary. Well, who's tr- you're trying to play God as opposed to serve God. You need to repent. I love you. Man. Third aspect, discipleship is foundational. Look at verse 1. This is more than a list of names. This is the power of God at work. When they showed up at the church and in one year, look at what God did. They went from two leaders to five leaders. These are essentially the elders of the church. They multiplied themselves by 150% in one year. So many of us overestimate what we can get done in one day, and we underestimate what God can get done in one year. Keep being faithful. Paul and Barnabas showed up, and they poured themselves out teaching for a year. And look what they have. Five leaders now. Barnabas, we know him. Simeon, who is called Niger. That means he's Niger means black. It means he's probably a dark skin. It means he's probably from Africa. This is a very diverse leadership skills. Lucius of Cyrene, we are Cyrene is North Africa, and Manian, catch this, right? A member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch. Herod the Tetrarch is the son of the guy who wanted to kill Jesus and had all the babies in Jerusalem and the surrounding areas of two and under boys killed. God builds his church. 
Now the BFF of that guy's son is now serving as a leader, as a preacher, as an elder at a local church. God is awesome. Jesus changes everything. There is intentional dynamic discipleship happening and man, let's not sell God short. So when we focus on that, look at what God will do. And we need to be doing that because we never know when God's going to send somebody else out. That we need to be developing uh, leaders within our small groups. Apprentice leaders, because what we, God brings the people. We want to multiply. Well, we need to continue to be developing now so we are prepared ahead of time. Ministry team leaders, preachers, elders, every level, we need to continue to be developing leaders and discipleship. This is the heartbeat of the pipeline, the heartbeat of the pathway, so that when God calls, we can respond faithfully, quickly, fully with the heart of God on the mission of God. Some of us need to step up and be willing to embrace responsibility. Others of us need to be step up and be willing to give away responsibility. All of us need to look up to serve God faithfully. Fourth and finally, living, living sent is normal. It's not just like some big thing. It's just like what they do on a daily basis. And it's both. Living sent is exciting, but it's normal. We should normalize living sense, right? It's not just a once a week thing or once a day thing or a big Sunday a month thing or a big Sunday a year thing. It's an every day I'm going to my neighborhood. I'm going to share the Lord. I'm going to inject to Jesus into every conversation. I'm going to give generously. I'm going to give faithfully. I'm going to pray fervently. And I'm going to go wherever God calls me across the street, across the world for the glory of God. Praise him. It should be normal. It should be the norm, not the exception, but I fear in our churches, it's become the exception rather than God only calls the super Christian. No, he calls all of us, not some of us. The destination, the season might change. It might be different, but he calls all of us, not just some of us. Living on mission is not optional. It's essential. It's not a nice to have. It's a need to have. It's not just for some of us, but it's for all of us. It's not just one day. It's every day. There is no vacation from mission. It's a posture of worship. Worship means I am ascribing Jesus the worth that he is due. I'm elevating him over everything. So let's do a little heart examination as we look at the, the culture of the church in Antioch to ask ourselves, what we see here, is this true of me? Because remember that when I begin to grasp the worthiness of Jesus, it produces within me a joyful willingness to serve God with faithful obedience. So let's ask ourselves, am I willing? The church in Antioch was willing. Are you willing this morning? Never underestimate the power of a willing heart. God doesn't call. God wants your availability and he will give you the ability. Am I willing right now to worship Jesus with all that I have, elevating him over everything? When you do that, it's often an idol exposing process. And idols can be anything that take Jesus off the natural throne where he belongs. It can be family, it can be money, it can be a job. It can be, a, idols can be good things that become a replacement of God's best thing, a replacement of God himself. Ask yourself this, am I willing to listen? Here we see the Holy Spirit speaking and that church listened. Are you listening to the Holy Spirit? Am I willing to seek the Holy Spirit? As they were worshiping, as they were fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke and they heard him. Are you seeking the Holy Spirit? Are you willing to listen? You know what that means? It means slow down. Some of you need to slow down. I need to slow down sometimes. Create margin. Get rid of the sound. Get rid of the noise and focus on the Lord. But I need to hear. I need to go. No. You know how many times scripture says wait? Wait 
on the Lord? Be still and know that I am God? How many of us are unwilling to be still because it's uncomfortable? You need to be willing to listen. Settle your heart on the face of God because we want to do what God wants. It's so easy to drift into what we want, whether we realize it or not. Sometimes it's intentional, sometimes it's not. But we can go idle drifting very, very soon. Ask myself my heart right now, am I willing to go? Saul and Barnabas, they're willing to go. They have poured their heart and their life into this church, and yet they were willing to go. Are you willing to go? Across the street, across the world, am I willing to go? Oh no, God, this is my church, my blood, my sweat, my tears. No, you're not, James, not Jesus, right? Are you willing to go? Are you willing to leave what you've invested in? Are you willing to stay? Ask yourself that. Simeon, Lucius, Manian, three elders. They're like, hey, when you asked me to serve and step up into leadership role, Paul and Barnabas, Saul and Barnabas, you didn't tell me you were going to leave two weeks later. If I would have known that, I probably wouldn't have stepped up, Right? Now they're left behind and the church is sending out their best preacher, their best teacher, their best encourager. But God knows. God knows. Jesus will build his church. He is faithful. Are you willing to stay? And I, sometimes, some seasons it's time for us to go. Some seasons it's time for us to stay. I've done both and they're both hard. And it's really hard when I'm the one staying and y'all are going. Honestly, sometimes it's more fun to be going and when y'all are staying, right? <laughs> if you're being really real. Each one of them has a lot of difficulties, hardships, but it takes all of us, not just some of us, and every role matters. Are you willing? Different seasons, different roles. Are you willing to step up? There's a leadership vacuum now in the church, like literally two out of the 40% of their leadership team is about to get sent out. But over the last year, God had developed other people. Are you willing to step up? Where is God? asking you to step up? Where's God asking you to do what you're like? Maybe somebody else will do that in your neighborhood, in your workplace. Maybe it's about time this week to start that Bible study that God's laid on your heart. I don't know. Are you willing to disciple, to duplicate yourself? I was on a church uh, call this week with other pastors in the region. And one of them was like, our challenge to our elders this year is to duplicate yourself because God is bringing to us more ministry than we can handle, and you need to duplicate. The Holy Spirit does the work, but are you willing to intentionally disciple? Pour yourself out into, pour your heart into, find people that are open and willing and do that. Or am I willing to humble myself, to be willing to stay or to be willing to go, to go wherever God calls me? Ask myself this, it's a heart posture of humility to give ministry away. Am I willing to be generous and sacrificial? When God calls us on mission, he calls us to give our best. Are you giving your best financially right now? Because that prepares and positions God's church to live a life of mission. Are we as a church willing to send our best? And can I tell you, I arm wrestle with God all the time on this because that is scary. To send your most mature, the best teachers and leaders, maybe people that give generously, I don't know. But are you willing to give your best? Giving their best here. They're not giving the leftovers. They're not giving folks that just come once a year. Praise God for anybody that comes once a year. Hopefully you'll move to come twice a year this year, maybe four times a year. But they give their best. It's a heart of worship. Are you giving your best financially? Are you giving your best time? Are you giving your best resources? Ann and I were at a, at a GCC convention last, uh, senior pastor and wiser a couple weeks ago. 
And at the moment on Thursday morning, we had a prayer time for all 200 of us that were there. And, and we had folks stand up, pastors and wives, and just share burdens of their heart. And we prayed for them together. One senior pastor down in Texas stood up and said, and began to weep. And he just said, I am so excited about this, but I am grieving this. And I'm so heartbroken about this. I think that God is calling our chairman of elder board to be a senior pastor at another local church. In fact, he's interviewing candidate for right now. And he's like, when I got into this, I thought we we're going to be ride or die side by side forever. And the thought of him leaving is heartbreaking and crushing, but I've never been more so excited in my life, right? He deserves to be here. He deserves to be a senior pastor. That's God's calling. And that, that tension works together. Are we willing to give our best? Gaining by losing by J.D. Greer has wrecked my life. I mean, it's changed my life by wrecking my heart. It's wrecked my life too. Cause like J.D., I don't want to give my best. <laughs> God's plan is not mine. Are you willing to love? Am I willing to love? The great commission falls out of the great commandment. Love God vertically, leads to loving others horizontally. Do you love the lost to send your best? Are you willing to love others by embracing the grief that comes with sending? Grief is good. If sending isn't hard, if sending isn't grievous, that's wrong. Because I don't grieve something I don't miss. Grief is the price of love. So I need to send my best, my deepest friends, my, you know, and there's a heart hurt that comes with that, but there's a joy that comes with that. And we need to continue to embrace that. Am I willing to say earthly goodbyes so that I can say eternal hellos? Gospel goodbyes, intentional, purposeful. Am I willing to be affirmed and confirmed by the local church? I love that these missionaries are going out of the local church. I love parachurch ministries. They're awesome. But the mission of God has been given to the church of God. And there needs to be partnership. It needs to be anchored, though, in the local church. I'm so thankful for like, ministries like Crew and Carlos and Emily and Kai and others do so well. When they get their students, they want to attach them into the local church. It's so foundational for that. But are you willing to come under the leadership of the local church and be affirmed and confirmed by that? Or are you just out doing your own thing? Am I willing to submit and surrender to God? Am I willing to truly live like Jesus? Because if they looked like, if, God, if, if others look at us, they should see us being sent like Jesus. Is that us? Is that you? So many reasons that we think that we can't go, and the reality is you're right in our own strength, and you can't go in your own strength. We don't go because we can. We go because God can. Amen? And God will. Never underestimate the power of a praying church. This church is praying, and God is moving. Man, we need to pray. Loving deeply means holding loosely. Open hearts lead to open hands. Hold my future open, my plans open. As I ascribe God's worth and others' worth properly, I live wholeheartedly. The second heartbeat of those who live sent, we're going to move through this pretty quickly, is a spirit-led obedience. A worship-fueled willingness leads to a spirit-led obedience. Like the Holy Spirit is the one that's sending here, and then the church is obeying. Verses 2 and 3, we see that abundantly clear. The act of going for God begins with a heart that is willing to surrender control to God and live obediently for God. I love Pastor Andrew said this to, in the office. He's like, I've heard this great quote, and I, I think it's so great. He's like, life is a mission strip. We should all embrace it, right? <laughs> a mission strip is not just once a year. Well, a year. It's, one, it's our entire life. And notice what... The Holy Spirit says here in verse 2, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called. Work is work, right? Work is hard. It's adversity and difficulty. We need to anchor our hearts and lives to that. We, mission means movement, guys. Mission, not stagnation, but movement. Mission is movement because God is worthy of it and others are worth it. 
big question right now is, are you gen- on a heart level, are you being self-led or Holy Spirit-led? We see in this text, the Holy Spirit's calling, God's church is worshiping, they're fasting, they're listening, they're praying, they're giving, they're commissioning, they're sending. Saul and Barnabas are going, others are staying, and the world is being altered and transformed by the power of God. Every one of the members of this church is a church planting member, and you know what? So are you. If you're here this morning, you're a church planter. You might be praying, you might be going, you might be giving, maybe you're doing all those things, I hope you are, but you're a church planter. Our church had the privilege of helping to plant a church in the DR this past year in October 2022 in Hato You are a church planting. This is a church planting church. I, my prayer right now this year is that one day, and maybe it starts right here with somebody in this room, that God would raise up our very own church planter to be sent out from this place. And it will be hard. And it will be beautiful all at the same time. Let's embrace that. Let's pursue that. Let's give towards that. Let's disciple towards that. And let's go and run towards that because people need to know and we need to go. One of the most interesting words and concepts in all of scripture is this word calling. We see this right here in the text, verse two. Set apart from me, Barnabas, and Saul for the work to which I have called them, the Holy Spirit says. You know how many times I get a question, hey, pastor, can you help me understand what God's calling is on my life? or what God's will is for my life, right? And maybe you've asked that, maybe you've had a friend talk about that. And I think it's really important to go, how do I determine God's call in my life? How do I know if like, this is from the Holy Spirit? Because man, wouldn't it be awesome if the Holy Spirit audibly told each of us, hey, take that job, marry that person, move to this state. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. Um, He speaks a little differently and uniquely probably to each one of us in here. But how do you discern whether it's the Holy Spirit or just some really bad pizza you had last night, right? Here are some clarifying my call questions that I think are super helpful for all of us to evaluate. When I'm evaluating an opportunity, God, do you want me to go? Do you want me to stay? And there have been times in my life where I wanted to go and God said stay, or I want to stay and God said go. Um, And so we really have to press into the Holy Spirit. And if you're asking yourself, does God want me to share the gospel with this fill-in-the-blank person? That answer is yes. If you're asking, does God want me to take this job, move to this state, stay in the military, get out of the military? If God, do you want me to live, go as a missionary? That's often a wisdom issue that we want to press in on. The first question that we need to ask ourselves is this, what does God's word say about it? Man, if you're what you want to do does not align with God's word, that answer is eh, no. And that should be the very first question. What's the will of God? The will of God is the word of God. As someone once said, and we want to make sure that we are performing exegesis and not eisegesis. Exegesis means I'm pulling God's truth out of the text as opposed to reading my bias into the text. Because you can find a Bible verse to validate pretty much anything you want to do if you just rip it and pull it out of the Bible somewhere. Second question, what does godly wisdom say about it? Biblical counsel, the Proverbs says that there's, a, there's safety in the multitude of godly counselors. Praise God for that. Are you inviting people to pray with you before you make the decision? People that you respect, people that you know love the Lord, people that will give you God counsel, people that will say to you what you know you need to hear, whether you want to really hear it or not. Those people that love you and love God. Now, here's the interesting thing, and I've done this many times in my life, is that sometimes you seek godly wisdom in well-meaning, God-honoring people. One will say, go to the right. The other one will say, go to the left. I'm like, hold on. You both have the same Holy Spirit. God, clarify this. And that's why it's really, really important to continue on to do these next couple of things. Because we need our internal call to be matched by external confirmation. 
third question that we should ask our hearts is, why is my heart truly interested in this? What's my motive? And I want to challenge you to be brutally, brutally, brutally honest with yourself. Ask a really trusted friend. You want real truth? Talk to your spouse. And listen, guys. Yeah, and I mean guys, men. (laughs) This is hard. But is this an ego-driven thing or a God-driven thing? Is this a pride-driven thing or am I really humbly? Am I running from something or am I running to something? In ministry and in life, God wants you to run to him. Don't run from something just because it's hard, because hard is part of the sanctification process. Don't run from it just because it's hard and don't, don't not do it because it's hard. I don't like to live here. I don't like the politics. I, my, my job, I don't like my neighbors. I'm just going to go over there and find something that is more comfortable. Are you pursuing comfort of Christ? Trust me, the politics didn't align with the Bible in biblical times either. Surrender, friends. Ask the Holy Spirit and slow down and let him work. God cares way more about who you are in him than what you're doing for him. Let the sanctification process work. Apply the worship metric. Elevate Jesus over everything. But the American dream, but my plan. Who's at the center right here? My, 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 or is it Jesus? We are supposed to die to ourselves. What does God the Holy Spirit say about it? Fourth and finally, the most important thing. The Holy Spirit speaking here, he will speak to you. Ask God to speak and he will speak. The word says, seek the Lord with all your heart and you will find him. And you're like, I don't hear the audible thing in 24 hours or less. I'm moving ahead, God. Come on. Wait on the Lord. God is working while you're waiting. Waiting isn't just sitting idly on your hands. It's pursuing the Lord. It's enduring under the trial, James 1. It's learning perseverance because, man, pruning, refining, you don't get a diamond without pressure. You don't get gold without a fire. Read, read 1 Peter chapter 1. God wants your best. And often your best isn't what you think it is. Listen, surrender, ask these questions, seek the Lord. And if you're today wondering about vocational ministry, I want to give you a website that is really good. It's God calling me to vocational ministry. www.amicalled.com is a huge resource for that. And we would love nothing more than walk with you through it. There's a specific call here. You know who else receives this? Sometimes there's specific calls in scripture, like Paul and Barnabas get here. There are other times, or Jonah got in the book of Jonah. Other times it's like, God gives us free will. And if we're pursuing to honor the Lord, option A, B, or C would work if our hearts are right. We have to really clarify that though, because sometimes when we're running from something, we can justify it, rationalize it, and deceive ourselves. Pastor Andrew uses this illustration a good bit. He talks about Jonah, right? Jonah was called to go to Nineveh. He's like, those people aren't worth the gospel. You feel that way about your neighbor right now? They wouldn't turn. And so he's running from the call of God and he gets down to the docks and says, look, there's a boat. God obviously, he wants me to get on the boat and he gave me money to buy a ticket, right? So obviously I don't need to go to Nineveh or else the boat wouldn't be here and I wouldn't have money, right? Oh man, praise God for that big fish and that storm. That's God's grace to get you back in alignment with his best. Where do you need to realign right now? Because God might call you to a place that you don't want to be like Jonah, or he might call you to persevere and endure. We talked about this in a small group, like Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, right? (laughs) He calls each of us to a different calling, but the same calling, preach the word, make disciples, love the Lord, be faithful. 
trust God with the fruit. Because fully trusting God means fully entrusting God with every aspect of your life. We can talk the big game, God, I trust you. We can sing it, but are you actively entrusting? What does it mean to entrust? It means I entrust my finances. God, you're calling me to give. I'm going to give, and I trust that you're going to give more. I'm going to trust you with my family. It's scary to move across the country and across the world. I'm worried about my kids' safety, and man, my parents are... I love all you grandparents in here, right? And I'm, I'm there right now. This is a whole lot easier to live before I had kids, but man, don't take my grandbabies overseas. <laughs> I want to honor God, but don't you be the missionary. Let God send someone else, right? I, we, I've lived that personally. And I fight that right now looking at my daughters over here. Because I want them to be safe. But more than that, I want them to follow the Lord. That's worship. It's an elevation of Jesus over all. And a willing to go for God in all. Trusting him. I don't have the ability. And trust that God will do it. Talk to, talk to Moses. Talk to Gideon. I'm the worst of the worst and the least of the least. I'm in hiding. God, you can't use me. Yes, I can because I am. I am. Where is God calling you? Where do you need to entrust him? It was about nine years ago right now that God rocked my world. I was in front of a little Caesars and God had been stirring an Ananias heart to probably leave our current church and go plant a church. And I had preached so many sermons on mission and I had been across the world and I had done a lot of different things, read the books. David Platt was like my hero. He still is in a lot of ways. But I hadn't, we hadn't pulled the trigger yet. It was a church that I loved. It was a church that I went to youth group in. It was a church that I had, we had given and given and given to for years. But there was this stirring in our hearts that God had something different. And sitting in front of a little Caesars, not far away from here, God used a brother of mine who is a big brother in the faith, one who disciples me, lived as a missionary, was on staff later at church. And he just looked at me and said, Dan, why aren't you going yet? You know that God calls you to go. And I, my, the words out of my mouth were, if I go, who's going to shepherd these people that I love? And he goes, Dan, you're not Jesus. That's Jesus' church. You need to repent of your pride. And you need to do what God is calling you to do. Because what I didn't realize in that moment up until then was I had been talking a talk, but I really didn't want to go. I wanted to stay. And my pride was attaching my identity to a body of people that I love dearly, but God had something different for me. But God's using me. And it was just so much pride. And he just exposed that idol in my life. And it took a dear brother speaking a clear word to me in love. And at that moment, God gave me a release. He began to do it. Because don't leave a ministry until you have release from it. Don't run from it until God says, your time here is done. When it gets hard, stand in there. But when God says, go, go. And sometimes it's a fine line and trying to figure out what is what. But don't be me. I'm not a super Christian. But we didn't know where our money was going to come from. We didn't know how our family was going to get to insurance. We didn't know all of that. We just knew God called us to go. And so one day we, we went and God provided because he's faithful. We are not super Christians. Learn from my sin. Don't be me. I was prideful. I was fearful. 
and I resisted more than I want to admit. Don't be me. Where in your life right now is God calling you to go? And where in your life is he calling you to stay when maybe you want to go? Because there have been moments of a 20-year vocational ministry career that I've been approached about certain things and man, it was tempting. (laughs) Because sometimes that boat that Jonah had looks like a bigger paycheck. It looks like the dream home you've always wanted or the, the geographical location you've always wanted to live. But God wants you to bloom where you're planted and invest. The grass looks greener, but God's calling you to water the grass where you are because the grass isn't always greener on the other side of the fence. I've wanted to go and God said to stay. I've wanted to stay and God said go. It's been both. Where is God calling you right now? I pray he's calling you to himself. Because look at what happens when you let go and let God. Look at this map of what happened to the Paul's first missionary journey. Launched out, Acts 13. It was hard. Read, read the book. Read Acts 13, 14, 15. But the world was changed because this church was obedient. They said yes. Some stayed, some left. All went all in on Jesus. And the same God that did it before is asking us right now to do it again. Amen. We can change the world for Jesus. Not for our power, but through his. Let's lay down our pride. Let's repent of our plan and let's get on God's plan and go fully in wherever he wants us. And if that's go, go. If he wants you to stay, stay. We are with you fully and prayerfully. But with a heart of worship, let's have a worship-fueled willingness and a spirit-led obedience. And God will work and do things far greater than we could ever hope or imagine. It's time to stop holding back and go all in with your heart your time, your money, your resources. What's your next step? And maybe your next step is the neighborhood and maybe it's the nation. Some people, I'll go to the nations before I talk to my neighbor. Some people say, I'll write a check before I go on a mission trip. Some people, I'll go on a mission trip, but I'll never give a check. God wants all of it, not some of it. All of it. So here are some specific ways that we can live sent here as a church in 2023. This is just some of the things that our church is doing. You want to live on mission? Join up in our pop-up food pantry on last Saturday morning of each month. Tyler and Ellie lead that and do it so phenomenally well. We'd love to have you participate with that. We're going to go back to the DR. We're going to serve them again in 2023, late July, still working on some of those dates. We'd love to have you come with us, high school and up. And then Harvest Kids Camp, man, there's a mission field right here, literally right here, right? The evenings of August 7th through 11th, would have love to have you join us. My question is, where is God calling you right now? We want you to pull out these blue cards. We're going to have a time of reflection and response right now. I am going. God is sending. The Holy Spirit is calling. Are you going? It's a matter of obedience. And I want you to write during this, on this reflection time, I'm going. I want everybody to write something if you don't mind. I'm going to my kitchen table because God's calling me to disciple my kids. Literally. Like, let's make that come. I'm going to my neighborhood. I'm going to Fort Meade. I'm going to list your school in right here. I'm going to talk to my neighbor. I'm going to become a pastor. I'm going to Nicaragua. I'm going. You get the point? Where is God calling? And if you don't know, ask him. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak. And he will. So Amy's going to continue to play. And I would just ask that you take that out. And maybe there's some areas of your life. And if if you need to repent, do that first. Purify your heart. And then align your heart. And then commit your heart. 
Repent of your pride. I need to do that daily. Repent of being unwilling. Repent of holding back. And go all in. Because the God that changed the world through the church at Antioch, the God that changed the life of Saul, is the God that will change you. And write literally with a pen if you need, there are pens around if you need to write where God is calling you. Let's just spend the next 30 to 45 seconds in prayer. we love you and we are here to worship you God God I ask for your forgiveness for so often prioritizing my way over pursuing your way for running when it got hard for running away as opposed to pressing in and in these moments God I just pray that you would put a, a restoration in each of our hearts through the power of God through the grace of God and that you would put a calling in our lives, a clear calling to daily live out the gospel as we have first received it and now we are to live by it and to display it, God. To, like Paul, carry your name. Carry your name into Arundel Middle School, Quarterfield Elementary, Fort Meade, Pentagon. To carry your name into Crofton and Catonsville, to Gambrels, to Baltimore, to Annapolis, God to carry your name. You have chosen each of us individually. You've chosen us collectively, God, and I pray that we would now embrace that calling. God, we love you. And Holy Spirit, speak and help us to listen. Forgive me for being so quick to do and so often so slow to listen, to slow down, knowing that you're working and that you will speak, to wait before acting, to be bold when you call me to be bold, to be patient when you call me to be patient, and in, in all and through all to be faithful. I pray for clarity for each and every person in this room and processing different things right now that you would just speak, that you would move. And there are some in this room maybe that, that need a personal relationship with you. I pray that, that you would give them the boldness to take a next step of giving their heart to you right now. I pray for those of us that you are calling in other ways, God, that we would embrace those next steps. And God, we love you so much. Help us to grow in a greater vision of your worthiness. Help us to increase our willingness and to live out every day, stepping out in a faithful obedience. Because you are worthy of it all and others are worth our all. Because the gospel changes all. It changes everything, Jesus. And we love you so much. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. At this time, I'm going to invite Victoria Garris to join me. 
We're so excited about the work that God is doing. Victoria is someone that has been faithfully coming to our church over the last six months since coming back from college at Word of Life in New York. And we're so thankful to have you here and we love you so much. And Victoria has, um, thanks Nate. Uh, Nate's gonna give you a mic. Um, Victoria is going tomorrow or sometime soon, I believe. Your fight leaves tomorrow, yeah. On, um, on mission to Nicaragua. Okay, that's in Central America, and we're so excited for that. And one of the things that God laid on her heart over the last couple of weeks, she's like, before I go, I want to become a member. That's awesome. You know, you go back to Acts 13, and the, the local church owns the mission, and, and embedding that in, because we have the privilege of shepherding and loving and caring. We love you, and we're so excited for that. And so we're in that process um, right now. She came to Step 2 last week, filled out a membership application, had the interview, and so she gets on a plane tomorrow, and she'll be a member here in a couple weeks. <laughs> Praise God for that, right? Uh, but God, the God they called you to is the one that goes for you in it. You'll see her picture. This is one of her slides from her, her just her, as she talks to different people and presents about what God's doing. And you're going to go down there, and you're going to teach ES. So to like some, some kids that want to learn English, you're going to disciple them along the way and you're going to partner in local churches, right? Mm-hmm. So would you share with me, yeah, yeah, we, we have a limited amount of time here, but if you want to know more about Victoria, her prayer card is on each one of your chairs. Be praying for her, please. But if you want to know more about her story, I'm sure she would love to talk with you after the service. But what is it, as we talked this week, this really captured my heart. What is your heart for going to Nicaragua? Like, what is God's third in your heart for the reason for going? Well, um, as you guys probably understand that Nicaragua isn't really a place where the gospel is really prominent. Um, I want to be able to take the gospel there and to share it with them, but then also be there for them to grow in it and to disciple them and to be there while they are walking beside me, teaching them how to follow the Lord, how to seek God's will, you know, because in America we see the gospel everywhere, but some other places it's not that prominent, and I want to be that person who takes it to them. Amen. I love that heart, right? I am going. I'm going to, I want to go to a place where the gospel is not as prominent and so that we can teach it in a way that's relevant, which is what she said, and just continue to follow that up. And God is moving and God is stirring and God is working. Praise God for that. So I'm going to ask you one more question. What's your biggest prayer request? And as I do this, I'm going to invite her small group to join us with us on stage. We're going to lay hands on her and commission her together as a small group because this is really at the heartbeat of what, what we do here at Harvest. But what's your biggest prayer request? If people can be praying one thing for you, what would that be? Um, just pray that I seek God in comfort, um, cause I'm going there basically by myself. So yeah. seek God's comfort and loneliness and seek God's, um, word in times of doubt and anxiety. Awesome. I love that prayer request. Well, we're going to take this mic and hand it over to Stephanie. Stephanie Pond is one of the small group leaders there. And so Stephanie and I are going to pray over her, but right now would you sort of, everybody sort of lay hands on Victoria. Um, and church, would you sort of extend a hand from wherever you are? This is uh, not all of us. And I want you to see this picture. When you talk about start to scent, this is it. This is a culmination of the whole pipeline working together, as God would have, of someone coming into the church, of working to worship, walk, work together in the church, joining a small group, and now getting sent out to live on mission. This is from start to scent in action. I love that. And as we get to pray, I want to read this verse over you right now. And then Stephanie will pray, and I'll close in prayer. This is from, the God, from Paul's letter to the church at Rome, and in Romans chapter 10 verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Praise God. Amen. But how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So Victoria, apparently you have beautiful feet, which is awesome. Um, Would you go ahead and pray, Stephanie? Almighty God, we praise you. We give you thanks for your grace toward us in Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. who lived and died and rose again and is now seated in the heavenly places, showing us that he has completed his work Mm -hmm. on our behalf. 
God, thank you for the life and hope and peace we have through that beautiful gospel. Thank you for the many varied gifts you've blessed us with in the Holy Spirit to serve you and serve others. Father, there is no doubt about where history is heading. There is no doubt about the outcome of your finished work, your current reign in the future return. The impossible to count multitude of your grace redeemed bride will gather and glory in you forever. So we pray and we serve with thanksgiving, passion, and hope as we continue the mission during our time here on earth. Father, we thank you this day for Victoria, for your love for her, and for the work of the Holy Spirit in her life and for her service to you, for all the gifts of grace that you have given her. Our labors in the Lord are often exhausting, costly, and the occasion of great discouragement, but they are never in vain. So as Victoria takes up this new role in Nicaragua, we pray that your Holy Spirit will give her renewed joy and assurance in the knowledge that she is yours and that you are with her always. May she handle your word with skill and communicate it with compassion. May she have sensitivity to your leading and to the needs of the people that you put around her and in her path. And may she have the humble heart of a servant of God. Lord, we ask that you protect and provide, that you sustain and fortify, mm. and that you encourage and bring peace to Victoria in times mm. of loneliness especially. Yes. Father, bless her and fill her with your power and presence, giving her the assurance that mm. you are with her always. Jesus, we love you, and it's because we love you that we go for you. And Father, I just thank you for our dear sister Victoria for answering the call with an open heart and open hands. And Father, I just pray for your peace to cover her. I pray that your peace would cover her parents and her family, that it's exciting yet in a way grieving, um, God, to, for this moment to happen. And God, I just pray that your peace, which passes all understanding, would go before her and fulfill her. You are a God of the details, God. I pray for her travel tomorrow, that you would keep her safe. And as she gets acclimated to a very new environment in, this, in the capital city of Nicaragua, God, that you would use her and that you would work in her and through her in a phenomenal way, that you would keep her centered on you and her heart filled with worship. Bless the relationships. I pray right now that you would stir in the hearts of the young people that she has a desire to teach English to, but more than that, she has a desire to teach you to. God, that you would draw them to yourself through your servant, Victoria that you would give her wisdom and, and rest, that you would just allow her to drop anchor in your truth, that on the days that are long and the nights that are lonely, God, that you would comfort her, that you would go before her, that you would uphold her and watch over her with your righteous right hand, God, that she would draw, find rest in the shadow of your wings, God, and that you would give her the words to herald and to, to teach, God, as she speaks into the lives of those that are vulnerable and hurting and seeking, God. Father, I just pray that you would do a work in her in a phenomenal way and a work through her. God, in a way that lives are changed, that a community is transformed, and the country of Nicaragua is never the same again because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, it's the name of Jesus. It's a banner. You are the banner that we fly. You are the gospel that we preach. You are the strength that, that carries us, God, and you are the message that we declare. God, we love you. And God, we just give all of this to you. We give our dear sister, your daughter, Victoria Garris, into your hands. And God, I just ask that you would just bless her and keep her, that you would make your face shine upon her, that you would give her peace and that you would go before her and that you would go with her today, tomorrow, and forever. Jesus, we love you in the mighty conquering name of Jesus Christ, the name that is above every name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Church, would you stand with us as we respond? through singing.